Hello, Cathedral family and friends. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. For great is our God and greatly is he to be praised. Psalm 118 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me, he is my helper and I look in triumph on my enemies. The Lord is with us. And let's begin this service by going to him in prayer. Our Father, it never gets old that the creator of the universe, we can approach him as our heavenly Father. Holy is your name. Matchless, marvelous, mighty is your name. Your name is worthy to be praised and we give you honor and glory and praise today. Your kingdom come and your will be done here in the Bay Area, in every heart, in every home, may it be done on earth even as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God, make your people a target of your favor. Meet them at their point of need today. Forgive us of our sins, how we need your grace and your mercy in our lives. Forgive us, God, as we forgive those who've send against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Oh God, save us from ourselves and from the devil. For yours is the kingdom and we submit to it. Yours is the power and we depend on it. Yours is the glory and we live for it today. Amen and amen and amen. Let's continue to lift our voices and praise to God as the worship team comes to lead us.
God is good all the time. Come on, let's worship Him today. We all sing it together. Come on. Created from dust. Yeah. You came and you lived among us. You took on our frame. You walked in our pain. And now you're taking us higher. You stepped. And you stepped into time. You laid down your life to save us. You took all our shame. On the cross it was laid. And now you're taking us higher. We go from glory to glory to glory. We'll never be the same. We'll never be the same. We say we go from glory to glory to glory. We're forever changed, forever changed. You call me friend. You call me a friend. Brought into your endless kingdom. By the blood I was made, no longer a slave. And now you're taking us fire. We go from glory to glory to glory. We'll never be the same. We'll never be the same. But we go from glory. Thank you, Jesus. So not even death can shake us. The victor has won, and heaven has come, and now you're taking us higher. Anybody glad about it? Come on. Now you're taking us higher. We go from
That's why we can get up every day with a sense of anticipation that God is at work in our lives, taking us from faith to faith, grace to grace, and glory to glory. And what a glorious moment we had this last Tuesday at our drive-through communion service. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was so much fun just to be outside and greeting everybody as they came in. It was just so good to see all of your faces and meet so many new faces too. We had so much energy on campus. We had dancers out there. We had the music going and it was really good just to see everybody again. Well, you could see God's love was at work on campus. And this coming Tuesday, we're going to do something similar, but it's a little bit different. It'll be a drive-through prayer experience. I'll be out there with our pastoral team and we'd love to pray with you and for you. That'll be from six to 7.30 this Tuesday. We hope to see you there. And we're only two weeks away from a very special moment. A very special moment. Really, I feel like it's the moment that we've all been waiting for. And that's in just two weeks, the weekend of August 8th and 9th, we will be finally regathering together again for weekend services outside on campus. Our team has worked so hard at prepping special spaces for us where we can meet together safely. We'll have spaces where you can drive in and watch service on the big screen. We'll have spaces where you can bring your lawn chair and watch service with social distancing, of course. Um, but one thing for sure, it is gonna be such a celebration that we are all together again on campus. Oh, we're, look for, we're looking forward to that day. I mean, we miss you, our cathedral family. We miss you and we love you and we can't wait. Whether it's seeing you on campus or whether it's our online service that will continue we look forward to a great time in August together. And it's been amazing this year to see how God positioned Cathedral and the reaching out ministry for such a time as this. At the start of the year, we set a goal that we would distribute $15 million worth of food through reaching out. Well, I was told last week that we've already distributed $16.5 million and we're halfway through the year. God positioned us for this moment and the way that the team at Reaching Out has scaled up. Uh, right now, they have the capacity to serve 20 cars every 35 seconds. So the team out there is doing such a great job. Thanks to the Cathedral Reaching Out team and, and thanks to all of you who are part of our Cathedral family and who have gone above and beyond with your giving during this season. I know it's been very difficult for a lot of folks that live in the Bay Area, but so many in the Cathedral family have stepped up and have not only served, but sacrificed and have continued to give. There are many ways you can give, whether it's through the website, through our app, or even dropping it off here at the office. There are many ways and we're expanding those ways next week. But however you give, thank you. Thank you so much for your support during this time. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. I wanna speak the prayer of Jabez over your life. The prayer of Jabez goes like this. Lord, bless us indeed. Bless your people indeed so we can be a greater blessing in the days ahead. Enlarge our territory. 
expand our influence, increase our opportunities for your kingdom and for your glory and keep us from evil. The evil that is around us, God, keep us from evil. Help us to stay strong in carrying the message of your goodness to our community. Keep us from evil that we may not cause pain. We wanna be agents of your love and peace and joy in the Bay Area. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Well, right now we're gonna head out to the lobby with Pastors Vaughn and Irene.
In December of last year, I remember talking about being excited to live in 2020. Wow, it sounds like an amazing year. We were all excited to be able to live in this historic year, 2020. 
and bang, we got hit with COVID-19. No one expected it. And, and this whole ambience in which we were introduced to live in, it, it introduced us to a whole set of new terms and phrases that we never used before. Um, and even phrases that we did use before, all of a sudden they had a new meaning, uh, a new normalcy, we can say. And some of them even seem paradoxical. They, they, they don't make, to make sense. Well, what is a paradox? A paradox is a statement or a phrase that uh, when you first read it, it doesn't make sense. But when you look into it a little bit caref- more carefully, and you find out that it actually reveals the truth. Paradox. I, I find some paradoxes in COVID-19, okay? Such as they say social distancing. Social means to get close to someone, talk to someone, have an interaction with someone, but they want you to do it at a, at a distance. And social distancing seems like a paradox. It contradict each other. But when you look at it under the, the, the context of COVID-19, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it tells us, you know, that if you don't want to have, a, they tell us if you don't want to have trouble breathing because COVID-19 attacks the lungs, attacks the breathing, then you need to wear a mask. Seems a little contradictory, but living within that context, that, fit, that filter of COVID-19, you then understand that there is a reality as well. We tell each other, stay healthy. But have you noticed that because we've stayed home, we're all getting a little overweight? It's again, it seems a little contradictory. And they tell us, stay in place so that we can advance the war on COVID-19. Stay in place so we can advance. Sounds a little contradictory, but when you understand what's happening in COVID-19, it makes a lot of sense. The Center for Prevention of Disease um, and Control, they told us to stay at home. And yet the same organization has reported that last year, one-third of the deaths in the U.S. happened at home. Sounds a little contradictory, right? A little paradoxical. But yet those paradoxes, they reveal a great truth in which we live in. As a matter of fact, you find paradoxes in the Bible as well. Paradoxes that if you read them at first, they don't make sense. But if you read them in an understanding of how God operates, how God works, they make a lot of sense. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be the least, and the least will be the greatest. He says, the last will be first, and the first will be last. And this kind of sums it up, you know, because the humble will be exalted, and the exalted will be humbled. People may not understand at the very beginning when they see it, but when you understand how God operates, it makes a lot of sense. In the Old Testament, it says, the weak will say, I am strong. And again, if you don't know how God operates, these things are not going to make sense in your life. They're going to not make sense as you apply them to your life. And, 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 and yet, when you understand how God works, they make all the sense to you. It's a new normalcy, new normal in which we live in. Because you and I are not of this world. We understand how God operates. And because we understand how God operates, that releases into our lives a new normal. 
a new understanding. We, we under, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ken introduced us to this new normal series, uh, a study into the book of Philippians. Uh, and he dug into chapter one in which he revealed of the new normal, new form of thinking that Paul introduced us to. He said, first of all, that he's not gonna let his circumstances make him feel helpless. Secondly, he says, I'm not going to let my critics make me bitter. And most importantly, he said, I'm not going to let uncertainty make me feel anxious. Wow, what a powerful word for us who live 2020 in this new normal under the, 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 the shadow of COVID-19. Last week, Dr. Wayne Mancari also introduced a new normal in chapter 2 of Philippians about putting others first. Having the attitude of Christ, wow, in this world in which everybody puts themselves first and we think that we're number one, this new normal for you and I who are believers in putting others first then brings us into having the same attitude of Christ. Well, today we're going to dig into chapter three of Philippians and we're going to find some more new normals in which Paul introduces us into. And, And these new normals seem rather paradoxical. They seem like paradox that they contradict themselves when Paul writes them. But as we dig into them, we then find out the truth behind them. In the first few verses of chapter three, Paul talks about and tells the church, uh, rejoice in the Lord once again. Uh, he said that a couple of times in, in Philippians, and, and he says it once again. And then he goes into this writing that is quite interesting. He tells the church, be careful of those evil dogs. That's what he calls them, evil dogs. Wow, that's some pretty strong words. Those individuals who think that by following certain laws will secure your salvation. There were individuals who were ultra-legalists. I mean, they were really into legalism. And they tried to promote the Jewish law among the the Christian church. And Paul literally got angry. Who do these people think they are? They're no one. And then he begins to dispute their credentials. And then he says, you know what? I have more authority than they do. I am more Jewish than they are. As a matter of fact, he says, when I was born, I was circumcised on the eighth day. That's really big for for the Jewish folks, okay? I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am of the people of Israel. I am of of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. And he's going down this list of of his credentials. And and then he says, you know, as far as the law, I'm a Pharisee. I, I know all this stuff. As far as zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. And he says, as far as righteousness regarding the Hebrew law, I am literally faultless. And he is just proclaiming all these things of who he is. I mean, uh, Paul was the man. You, you know, like Steph Curry is on the court. That's who Paul was as far as the Hebrew law, law. You know, just like the muscles on Dwayne Johnson, the rock, that's how powerful Paul was regarding the Jewish law. He knew who he was. Just as tough uh, as Canelo Reeves is in John Wick, that's how tough Paul was. And he's presenting himself that way. And he's saying, this is who I am. And in the middle of all his hooting and tooting, Paul slams us with the first paradox of progress, the paradox of the new normal. And he says this, but you know what, folks? 
You have to lose in order to win. You have to lose in order to win. And he's actually telling us, you know what? What is most impressive, it's really not important. What is most impressive is really not important. Take a look at these um, trophies over here. They're pretty impressive. Can you imagine how these people celebrated when they, got, when they earned these trophies? And I'm sure that there was a lot of applause, a lot of cheering, a lot of folks saying, yeah, you did it. This is what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, you know, circumcised on the eighth day, I don't need that. The people of Israel, I don't need that either. You know what? Hebrew of Hebrews, doesn't mean anything to me. I don't need this. Of the tribe of Benjamin, I don't need that either. As far as being righteous according to the law, I don't need that either. As far as having zeal to persecute the church, that means nothing to me. And he, he chooses to lose all that identity to win in knowing who Christ is. You have to lose in order to win. Paul definitely shows us that, that of the things that are most important, sometimes are not the most impressive. The things that are most impressive are definitely not the most important. The most important to him wasn't all his credentials. The most important to him was knowing Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Look how Jesus put it in Luke chapter 8. He says like this, for those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their life for my name's sake will save it. What does it profit? What do they gain? If they win the whole world, but they lose their soul, they lose who they are. Paul understood this. Unfortunately, today's society, we begin to celebrate the trophies more than the character. We begin to celebrate more of what we have than who we are. We begin to applaud the, the, the accomplishments that individuals do, but, but yet they, are, they, they have the flaws of character and, and, and their spirituality. And we don't know what really counts. Albert Einstein, great physicist, said, put it this way. He said, what can be counted really doesn't count. And what can't be counted is what really counts. There are people today that are putting value to their lives by things that are of this world. What is your identity? What gives you your value? What is it that gives you your worth? What have you banked on as far as you are? Is it your house? Is this what you earn? Uh, wait a minute, Pastor John, it doesn't seem like you're making sense here because you know what, I, I strive to get my degree. I worked hard to get my, 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 my career, my business, my house, my car. All of that is good and I applaud you for that. But I remind you what Paul says, sometimes the most impressive is not the most important. I remind you what Jesus said. And what good does it do if you, if you gain everything in the world, but you lose your soul. 
And uh, Paul has given us all of this challenge and this new paradox. And you think that is difficult? Well, look, in, in the midst of all of this, Paul introduced the next paradox of the new normal. He goes even deeper. Look what he says. The new normal. You have to die in order to live. You have to die in order to live. And now he tells us that the most important is the least impressive. Yet the first part of having to lose in order to win, it deals with the things on the outside. But to die to live deals with the things on the inside. It challenges us for us to take a look at ourselves to see where is it that we are placing our emphasis, our effort. Is it the impressive? If it is, it's the least important. The late comedian George Carlin, he, he wrote a he, he wrote this this writing on the paradox of our times. That's what he he called it. He wrote it about thirty years ago, but let me tell you, it is it still holds true today. Take a look at it, what he says. He says like this: We have taller buildings but shorter tempers, wider freeways but narrow viewpoints. We spend more but have less. We buy more but we enjoy it less. We have bigger houses and smaller smaller families, more conveniences, but less time. He goes on to write, he says, we have more degrees, but less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, but more problems, more medicine, but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry too quickly, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too seldom, watch too much TV, and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions, but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. We've conquered outer space, but not inner space. We have learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, but not life to years. We, we've been all the way to the moon and back, but we've we have trouble crossing the street to meet the, the neighbor. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. We split the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. He goes on to say, we've learned to rush, but not wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but have less communication. These are times of fast foods, low, slow digestion, tall men, short characters, steep profits, and shallow relationships. Yes, these are times of world peace but domestic warfare, more leisure, but less fun, more kinds of food, but less nutrition. These are days of two incomes, but more divorce, of fancier houses, but broken homes. These are days of quick trips, throwaway morality, one night stands, overweight bodies, and pills to do everything from cheer us up, calm us down, put us to sleep, or even kill us. Wow, took a comedian to reveal the, where, where our society has placed emphasis on the impressive and not necessarily the important. Yes, I, I you know people embrace this kind of mentality and, 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 they, and they begin to, to have this, this kind of thought of saying, hey, you know what? I deserve this. I, you know, I, I've done, I've paid my price. I, 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 what's wrong with me doing this? Everybody else is doing it. And if I don't get caught, it didn't hurt anybody. And all of a sudden we begin to hmm, 
seek things that are impressive, that people celebrate. Wow, did you see the way that guy drinks? Wow, look at that girl, man, she can have any guy she wants. All of a sudden, the married guy will have this thought. Hey, I've paid my price. I've been married seven years. What's wrong with me having a fling? And the married wife will say, I'm attractive. People still see me sexy. What's wrong with me flirting every once in a while? No one got caught. Nobody got hurt. What's wrong with it? And the guy sitting at his desk at his company will say, my, hey, my company has hundreds of laptops. What's wrong with me taking one? And all of a sudden, what we think is impressive begins to rule our lives. And Paul tells us, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13, he, he reveals a great truth to us. Look what it says. If you live according to the flesh, according to the things that you think the society is impressive, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds, the sins of this flesh, and then you will live. Paul reveals this great paradox of the new normal. You and I are believers. We, 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 we want to we please God. We want to serve God. We want to embrace the truths that Jesus taught. Well, this is the new normal. I can't be defined by how this world chooses to conduct itself or even put the emphasis on the things that are impressive. No, no, no. I'm a Christian. I am not of this world. I am, I am defined by who I am in Jesus Christ. This is the new normal. And, you know, and Paul's given us all this stuff. You know, he's, he's given us these two paradoxes of the new normal. You've got to lose in order to win. You've got to die in order to live. And then all of a sudden, he slams us with the third paradox. And he says, you know what? Look what he says in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet. But I keep working towards that day. When I finally be all that Christ saved for and wants me to be. So Paul's preaching all this stuff to us and he's challenging us. And, and, and now he tells us, uh, you know what? Uh, look at this, okay? What the, the, the next normal is, okay? It says you have to press on even though you won't accomplish it fully. That's the reality of it. We're not going to be perfect. We probably won't completely accomplish this goal. But look what he says. Well, this is how I, I, I sum it up. The process is just as important as the finished product. That's what Paul is telling us. A lot of folks are just looking at that, at that goal and looking at that vision. And they, they forget that the process is just as important as the finished product. Yeah. You not accomplishing it, it doesn't mean defeat. It only reveals where you have been, where you've come from, where you are, and where you need to go. Carl Rogers put it this way. I, I love the way he, he phrases it. He says, a curious paradox is when I can accept, when I can accept myself just as, an I, am, as I am, and then I can change. Because you see, accepting where you are is part of this paradoxical process. I know where I've been. I know where I am. I know where I need to go. Paul reveals his passion, his vision, 
his love for Christ. He wanted to be like Jesus in his life. He, he wanted to even be like Jesus in his suffering and in his death. This is what drove Paul to write this, this last paradox. I haven't accomplished it yet, but man, this is my goal. I forget what's in the past, all my failures, all my shortcomings. And man, I, I strive, I press on towards that goal, not giving up because I know I can do it through Christ Jesus. What's your passion? What's your goal? And people will probably tell you, you want to be a Christian? Man, those people are always telling you what not to do. They're always calling out the sin in your life. You're not perfect. Who do you think you are? You're going to judge us now? And people put us down for what we believe is true. But we got to keep trying, even though we have failed. It reminds me of the story uh, of Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi was the mo- one of the most successful coaches in, in football. He was a football genius, okay? As a matter of fact, the Super Bowl trophy is named after him, so the Vince Lombardi trophy. A- anyway, the story says that one day Vince Lombardi, well, was, his team was playing another team, okay? And, and they were winning 58 to nothing, okay? It was the third quarter, getting close to the end of the, uh, of the game. And um, one of his assistant coaches noticed that Vince Lombardi was a little, uh, a little concerned. He was looking really intently at the game. They had the football, and they were once again just driving the other team, okay? And, and the coach came up to him and said, uh, Coach Lombardi, is everything okay? And he says, look at those guys. I wish we had a team like them. He was talking about the defense, the people who were losing, the coach said, coach, we're beating them 58 to nothing. What do you mean? He says, but look at them. They know they're losing. They know they're not going to win, but they keep getting up. They keep going to the line. They keep trying. That's the kind of team we need. That's the kind of Christian you and I need to be. That's the new normal for us. You know what? We're probably getting beat up. Maybe we're losing some battles, but we'll still present ourselves in front of the line. We'll shake ourselves off and we'll say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I challenge you today that you don't look at what the world seems to offer. The impressive. Take a look at the importance. This is losing to win, dying to live pressing forward towards that new normal. Reminds me of the story of a, a young man who, in his high school years, he was very, very brilliant. He left high school to start his own business, and by the time he was 19, he was already a millionaire. Got married young, and um, when his wife gave birth to their first child, she died at childbirth. The man was devastated because he had married the love of his life. And um, he dug himself more into his businesses and to his son. His son grew up, successful young man, uh, also brilliant. And, and this man just became multimillionaire. And, and one of the things that the man was so famous about was that he loved to collect paintings, sculptures, work, works of fine art. He loved to collect jewelry, Precious stones, gold, silver. And, and he was world-renowned world for, for his collection. 
he and his son loved to do this. And, and what they had, um, had a custom of doing is that when they would buy a, a big sculpture or a big painting, they would build another room to, to their house. And their house was this multi-room mansion, just this massive thing, okay? Hundreds of rooms with, with just precious paintings, priceless paintings of Van Goghs and Leonardo da Vinci's, Rembrandt's, and so on. The list went on and on. And um, one day, his son came to him and said, hey, Dad, um, our, our country's at war, and, and I think I need to go and, and be a part of, of the, our, our army. And the man said, please, son, don't go. You're everything I have. You're the only thing that I have. And they began to talk and so on. At the end of the conversation, the son won, and, and he took off to war. As the son was at war, the, the man just continued to work hard. He became a billionaire, kept buying more and more paintings, building more and more rooms. And one day, someone came knocking at the door. Butler goes to the door and the gentleman says, I need to speak to, to the old man. Oh, he's very busy. You need to make an appointment. And he who came knocking at the door says, I'm from the war department. I need to speak with him about his son. And the old man heard this and he ran to the door and he says, what is it? What do you need to tell me? He says, sir, I'm from the war department. And I've got some bad news. Your son died in battle. We couldn't recover his body. The man cried, walked away, and um, after a couple of months, he jumped back on into working on his companies and, and just building his empire and buying more and more paintings and so on and, and uh, became even richer. A couple of months went by and another dog came to the door. This time it was a young man. Butler again goes to the door and, how may I help you? He says, I need to speak to so-and-so. Oh, he's very busy. You need to call the office to make an appointment. He can't see anyone. He said, that's fine, the young man said. He was in uniform. And he said, uh, would you please tell him that I knew his son in battle? And the old man heard this. And he ran to the door. And he said, uh, you knew my son? Yes, sir, I knew you some please come in, please come in. They came in, they sit down and started to talk. And um, tell me about your son, said the old man. And, and the guy said, well, you know what? Me and your son, we were in battle. As a matter of fact, let me tell you how he died. We were surrounded by the enemy. Many of us were wounded. And your son began to save us one by one. He picked me up last. And as he was saving me, he was shot. He saved my life, but that's how he was killed. Your son was a hero. And the man cried and he said, man, my son was brave. What a great son. He's very proud. Then the young man told him, sir, I hear you collect paintings. I'm not a very good painter, but I made a painting of your son and I wanted to give it to you. Please let me see it. Let me see it. He takes it out, rolls it out. And you know, the painting's not all that good. It kind of looks like the sun. But the old man loved it and he hugged it and he kissed it and he embraced it and he says, my son, my son. He wanted to give him millions for it. The young man said, no, I don't need anything. Your son saved my life. The young man left, years went by and the old man died. He had no one to inherit his money. 
his riches, the paintings, the sculptures, all the real estate. So they made a big auction of, of everything. Hundreds of people came from all over the world because they wanted to buy the Rembrandts, the Michelangelo's, the Leonardo da Vinci's, the gold, the silver, the jewelry, the real estate, all the riches they wanted to buy. And hundreds came to the auction. And people came in and the guy who was the auctioneer, he, he hit the gavel. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let me have your attention, please. I opened the auction at this moment. The first piece that we're going to auction today is this, this painting called The Sun. You see, the old man had called this painting The Sun. He had bought this huge frame for it. He had built this huge room for it. He had called it The Sun. Will somebody please give me an opening bid, the auctioneer said. And no one would say anything. Please, someone give me an opening bid. And somebody yelled from the audience, we're not interested in that, in that painting. Nobody knows the painter. It's ugly. And we want the Rembrandts. What about the, the, the gold, the silver, the, all that other stuff? And the auctioneer says, no, the will says that this is the piece that needs to be sold first. And again, no one would say anything. You know, finally, the young man in the back says, sir, I, I don't know a whole lot about this, but um, it's the first time I've ever been here. But I'll give you $500 for that painting. And everybody kind of cheered, like, okay, good, we're getting moved on here. And, and, um, and so the auctioneer says, $500 going once, $500 going twice, sold for $500. And everybody applauded and cheered and said, good, we can move on to the rest of the riches, the rest of the real estate, that the gold, the silver, the jewelry, the paintings and everything. But the auctioneer hit the gavel, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming to the auction. This closes the auction. And everybody started to protest. Hey, what about the rest of the stuff? The auctioneer said this. The will says that he who takes the sun takes the rest of the riches. He who takes the sun takes the rest of the riches. Today, I'm talking to you about the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And it may seem paradoxical to embrace Jesus. It may seem religious. It may seem antiquated. It may seem not too impressive. But it's the most important decision you can make. That he who takes the Son takes the rest of the riches. What are those riches that I'm talking about? The forgiveness of your sins companionship of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Mercy poured upon your life, eternal life. He who takes the Son. may seem paradoxical, but it's the most important thing that you need to do today. Let me pray with you before we, we end. Father God, I pray that this word would go to each heart that is listening today. And even though it may seem contrary to what society has embraced, what society has preached to us, what may not seem very impressive, today we understand it's the most important, and that is to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You may want to repeat these words after me and say, Father God, today 
It may seem paradoxical. It may seem contrary to what society says. But I understand that the most important thing that I need to do today is have you as Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive my sins. Come into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. God bless you. is the rap and we're just going to piggyback off of what pastor john spoke powerfully into our community starting off with a paradox this is the beginning of the rap how about that for a paradox okay and now we're going to throw it to pastor robert what did you hear today what stuck out to you uh one of the things that stuck out was uh this denying yourself and how what it is is following the values of jesus instead of what we want to do because And he gave lots of examples of that. Mm-hmm. that so hard, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, we, we were the talking about the image that he used with the trophies, mm-hmm. putting them in the trash can. Yeah. Um, it's funny because the cultural norm is, is it can make you feel like, well, if I don't accomplish A, B, C, yeah. D, E, F, G, then you don't feel successful, Absolutely. right? And it can make you question everything about yourself. It can make you question your identity. Mm-hmm. What am I doing with my life? Am I important? And um, what we learn is that these things that appear to be successful, mm-hmm. are really, it's not what counts, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and it's it, the, the paradox, too, is like, you know, what, what do we usually do with trophies? Is we put them on a trophy case and we put them mm-hmm. on display, right? Mm-hmm. right? We actually want to put them forward and to show them Hey, look what I was able to accomplish and accumulate. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, no, I count this as loss. And right. that's yeah. a very counterintuitive kind right. of paradox that we're experiencing. Well, there's, there's, there's the, the risk mm-hmm. of losing ourselves mm-hmm. in the paradox. Mm-hmm. I love that so George Carlin. Yeah, that. yeah mm-hmm. I love that George Carlin sort of passage and one that like really grabbed onto me is that we're, we're making a living, but we're not putting life mm-hmm. right, in what we live. Mm-hmm. Right, that we are mm-hmm. adding years yeah. to our life, but we're not adding life to our years. Like, where mm-hmm. are we missing it? Where is this mm-hmm. paradox causing us to miss it? Because fundamentally, there's a truth mm-hmm. um, that's waiting for us through Ooh. this paradox. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, he, Albert Einstein said, uh, "What can't be counted is what really counts." Mm-hmm. And I love how he put the two paradoxes: is that we don't celebrate the tr- trophy; we're celebrating. Or we're, we're looking for the meaning in character, mm-hmm. not in what, but in who. And I feel like that simplifies it again. I love that about yeah. God and his mm-hmm. word is it makes it so simple, and, yeah. but so hard at the same time. Yeah, I, I remember him saying one to uh, one of the points he was kind of touching on that where he said he used the, the phrase, uh, what is impressive is not always important, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. What is important. And, and what is important is not always impressive, impressive. Mm-hmm. right? And so how, like, and, and 
I feel like we feel that trap maybe more so in the past because of the social media age, right? What do you what do we usually want to post? We want to post the time that we won the trophy or we won the game or I met so and so or a celebrity or I accomplished something. Mm-hmm. We don't post the fact that, you know, wow, I I spent time in prayer today. Mm-hmm. That's right. I uh, I was able to put food on the table for my family, you know, I was <laughs> I worked hard, you know. I uh, that's not very impressive to most, but how important is it? Right, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how Pastor John challenges us in that in that dialogue with questions, mm-hmm. questions that asks us like, what is true about mm-hmm. this paradox mm-hmm. that we're living in right now? What's true about how you're suffering and what you may be suffering right now? Uh, because there's lessons to be learned there that can lead to success. Mm-hmm. You know what what's true about the pain you may be going through right now, right? Because, you know, you may be going through a process, right, that's causing you to progress, to be progressive, and he puts it all on the back of Jesus and says, boy, if we can, if we can find Jesus and put him in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and there's a promise mm-hmm. waiting for us on the other side, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also when he says in that when you have to press on, yeah. even though you yep. may not, you know you may not accomplish everything, I mean, that's, and that's the same way as when he's talking about that team where he said, look, if they're losing, they know they're going to lose, but they still get back up. And I love how Pastor John said, yeah. you know what? Well, no matter what it looks like in society, because society doesn't tell you what's true, we're going to stand back up because right. yeah. he's already won. You know, and I want to have that grit yes. and that fight in my faith to be able to stand up no matter what. Yeah. Kind of yeah. made me think about what and you were talking about. And talking about yeah. that, that point of losing to win, um, I was just thinking about how difficult it is in the area that we live in. It's just um, the cultural norm is just so opposite, really, of what we are called to live as Christians. And because of that, it can be really difficult to to want to stay here. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, it'd be so much easier to move here or there or to raise my kids in a place where I know that they're being taught the values that I right. want them to learn. And really what it comes down to is feeling like and and knowing hey i'm i'm here for a reason mm. and i'm not called to leave i'm called to fight mm. and mm. um and i can fight mm. and we will fight and i'm going to fight and i'm going to teach my kids how to fight wow. and while on the outside it may look like we're losing yeah. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes. You don't know how God is Very using good. you. You don't know. Very true. You don't know the the little wins that might be happening, Ooh. right? Ooh. So so much that, that are being planted. Right. You know, what the fruit is going to be later, and I feel like in this time we have to be so intentional. Yeah. About things that maybe in the past we were able not to take for granted, but we're just more norm. But the, yeah. this new norm, there's mm-hmm. some intentionality that goes deep. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Another. Uh, um, Toward the end of the sermon, there he he used that the phrase that the the process is just important as the as the product mm-hmm. as the end product, and how and that brings light to what you're saying mm-hmm. about you, we may not see the fruit mm-hmm. of some of these seeds sown in our kids or mm-hmm. or in our our culture or whatever or in our churches even mm-hmm. like it may we may not be able to I be an eyewitness on this side of heaven but man. It's like the process is, it's so important. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not just the trophy that we want at the end. It's the, it's the training all that's the right. way to get and to earn that. That's right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Pastor Robert, you, you were talking earlier about. Uh, uh, yeah, my favorite uh, part of Pastor John's message was the story of the son. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, 
it really drove the point home of the whole message. And uh, Jesus, one time when he was talking to Martha, he told her this one thing, only one thing is necessary. And that's a growing, vital, intimate relationship with me. And then later, Paul does the same thing. He says, this one thing I do. And he says, uh, first thing is to get those accomplishments and your experiences as well. It could be uh, good experiences. It could be bad experiences. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Uh, You put that behind you. You put that behind you so you can focus on the goal, which is that intimate, growing, vital relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's what the goal is, and that's what it was all about. That's what it's all about, the one thing. So my prayer for you, all of us would be that we focus on that one thing. That's a great insight, Pastor, about not just your trophies that you throw into the trash, but even the things that aren't good or the things that are just big and stand right there on our shelf of our life. Baggage, bad experiences, everything. You put it behind you. And in a culture where we're always trying to find identity, here's a place where it's like, put the identity down. Your identity is in Christ. Mm. Yes. Take up a new one. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And and that story was gripping, too, that the finish of that, Mm -hmm. right, the... uh, like whoever takes the sun yeah. gets all gets all the other riches. That's right. I was yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. 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 That'll es- go hard, especially man. when you identify with the people that are waiting to bid on everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, because that's they, me. <laughs> I'm because that, that was more impressive, right? That's it, right. It kind of it brought it brought it was a great story to bring home all that's these right. points of like mm-hmm. what they valued was right. at the end. Yeah. They wanted the other stuff. Right. Yeah. And what was deemed least impressive to right. them was the, the most, was the key to everything yeah. else. That's right. The son, right. Jesus. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's well, man, let's finish this off. Yeah, our word. scripture, pressing forward to the new normal yeah. is Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus has already taken hold of me. I love this. This is power. This is freedom. And I pray that for it every single one of us, that we would take hold of Christ. He has already taken hold of you. So come on, let's press on. Yeah, press <laughs> on. Man, press let's, on. let's keep going, Cathedral of Faith. That's Thank right. you guys for tuning in. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and staying connected here at The Wrap. And, and I just pray Lord, that, uh, you know, you would hear something today that would, that would give fuel to, your, to yes. your life and to your relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, even, like, I'm even feeling emotionally moved in this moment. Like, I was, as hearing that sermon, like, the phrase, I'm dying to live. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I'm just, I'm feeling that right here in this moment. I'm dying to live. I really want to live a meaningful life. I want to see my child grow up and to love his God. I want to I grow old with my beautiful wife. I want to mm-hmm. see the goodness of, the God, of God in the land of the living. Mm-hmm. I'm dying to live. But I think that some of these paradoxes that we heard today mm-hmm. really help give us a focus of what is right. really meaningful and what is of most importance. And mm-hmm. maybe not the most impressive. But so, the most important. But the most important. You got it. The one thing. This one thing. <laughs> this one thing. Pastor Robert, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Lauren, Ramel, Irene, thank you all. Thank you, guys. Be blessed. And as always, yo, it's, it's a wrap. wrap. It's a wrap. Yeah.